This is Conflicting Emotions, a podcast from Weave News. The conversations featured on this podcast highlight the complex emotions and experiences of the BIPOC community at predominantly white institutions. We focus on stories that are real and raw, while also allowing space to share our triumphs and joys. We welcome three artists that use their work to speak on the ideas of race, ethnicity, and identity. Their pieces reflect their experiences existing at a predominantly white institution or reflect being a part of an industry that lacks appropriate representation. Before we begin, let's do some quick introductions. Hi, I'm Hami. I graduated St. Lawrence in April uh, with a government and French double major. I do a lot of slam poetry and I have a talk show. Hi, my name is Rahel Midexa. Uh, I also graduated St. Lawrence University this past April. I majored in global studies with a minor in African studies. And I, similar to Hami, dabble in different types of art from poetry to film photography and songwriting. Hello, my name is Hannah Bouchara. I am from Bermuda. I recently graduated from St. Lawrence in April and I was a global studies major with minors in music and sociology. And I would consider myself to be a singer songwriter. Lovely. So can you guys talk a little bit about the type of art you create and your past works? So I, like I said, I consider myself to be a singer-songwriter and I've been writing music and performing for about six years now. I started because my final year at high school, I was just going through a really rough time emotionally and I needed a positive channel through which I could express myself and understand myself. So I started writing music, but I also created a documentary about the importance of creative expression in the context of Bermuda, which is where I'm from. And then that kind of has blossomed into a, an ongoing journey of me using music as a medium to understand myself and communicate with people in, in a way that I have failed to do or don't do as effectively in the context of a conversation. So I think that sometimes even I get confused about the type of art I create. I'd like to say that I write poems. I dabble in songwriting and sing, and all of that started in the worship team. I grew up in the church, and my background being an Ethiopian faith was just always kind of something that's always been important. And I think art was a way to kind of find myself and my faith, but also it was a way to be abstract. I think just I'm somebody who has a hard time expressing myself in general, and so words and being able to play around them. And I think art is a platform where no one is asking you to unpack, like unless you choose to. I think you get to throw everything out on the table and somehow it makes sense. But as, even if it doesn't, I think it allows people to feel something. So I think a lot of the times I like writing songs. I, I like poetry and sometimes it, I don't even finish them, but somehow it still makes sense. And it's just always has been an, an outlet for me to say what I, I don't even understand. For me, I spent my teenage years in the South Bronx. And before that, I lived in Guinea for a bit. And in both of those communities, uh, I didn't really have an outlet to express myself, nor did the kids that I grew up around. And so I felt me and the people that I grew up around were consumed by our realities and our lived experiences, but with no outlet to talk about those things. And so uh, around junior year, I discovered the MCC Theatre Company uh, in New York City. 
which introduced me to the theater world. And I started acting and through, the, and through acting, I started writing my own pieces that I hoped would turn into plays because I fell in love with theater. But uh, I gravitated more towards poems and expressing uh, my qualms with the world and the way in which I understand the world through that poetry. Came to college and understood more about myself, got to know myself a little bit more and the world in which I reside. Fell in love with public policy. So my art became a way for me to talk about the issues that I'm passionate about and especially the social the social issues that affect the communities which inform my worldview. How do you guys use your experiences at a PWI and convert that into art? And what does the process look like? I think it's an interesting question because I don't think that it's an A to B process. It's not like a I go to a PWI, so then I must use that experience and then directly have it inform what my art looks like. I think being situated in a predominantly white institution and reacting to it in a certain way or just having experiences in the context of those spaces inform what my identity looks like at a certain period of time, which then informs what I'm inspired to write about. So the content of my work isn't always dealing with issues of race, gender, identity, but because I carry all of those identifiers in a way, I think that context informs how I navigate the space at a PWI and then that turns into my art. So I don't think it's like I go to a PWI, so that's what my art is about. It's I am a Black woman at a PWI and I am seen in a certain way and I see things in a certain way because of that. And then that's what my art becomes. Just to kind of start off, being Black in white spaces, it's it's very, it's a subtle art. I think that my art is a product of everything that's happening with myself, with what I'm kind of in dialogue with, with what I'm being affected by. But at the same time, I think in white spaces, when I kind of have an intended audience and it may be towards white people, I think that often feels like it's kind of missed. But what I do recognize is I think we're a product of our environment. And more than anything, kind of something that I was recently writing was, and I'll read a little bit of it, um, it's that we love conceptual frameworks, particularly I think institutions and even white people in general, um, such as intersectionality, um, but never kind of to like understand how interlocking power systems affect those marginalized in society. So often I feel as if I'm in my art is kind of like an outlet where I'm existing in this between space where like we have these concepts to kind of try to understand my experiences, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of missed. Um, to echo something they both said, my art is not a product of attending predominantly white institutions, but rather some of the new pieces that I write address the new world that I'm a part of now, right? Because before I left the Bronx and Guinea, I was never around white people. But coming to St. Lawrence is the first time that I got around people that were so different from me. And I was the odd one. I was the other and so my new pieces were informed by some of that difference. And it allowed me to see the complexities of the world in which we live in, because a lot of the issues that I dealt with or passionate about, most people were either not either apathetic to them or didn't understand them. 
or simply wasn't part of their lived experiences. So they didn't care much for it. And I think another thing that being in the space did for me was uh, there's this quote by James Baldwin that says, to be a Negro or to be black and conscious in America is to be in a constant state of rage, something of that in those lines. And for me, what being at a predominantly white institution did for me as a black person, and I might consider myself to be somewhat conscious, uh, is that it allowed me to learn how to navigate that rage and how to use that rage in a positive way and to capitalize off of it or to address the issues that I'm passionate about in a way that others who may not see the world that I in the same way that I do become receptive to what I'm trying to put forth. And that's one of the ways that my art has been shaped by attending a predominantly white institution, um, learning how to uh, communicate or have conversations or sell my points across difference and learning how to navigate rooms that are not echo chambers, in a sense. Do you believe art can be used to achieve racial equity? And do you think that your art, whether intentionally or unintentionally, has changed or can change the way society perceives the BIPOC community? I mean, art has always done that, whether we like it or not. Um, art has been, art is political in all its forms. Art is revolutionary in all its form. Writing is art, singing, music, rap. We could go throughout history and you'll find that humans have always been making art in their own ways, even in ways that we don't understand. And it has changed so many things. Like the civil rights movement was full of art. Liberation movements in the African continent and the Caribbean were full of art. Even in Europe, when they were going through the dark ages and after, is full of art. The human history itself is preserved through art. And even today, we use our art to compartmentalize and understand the world in which we exist and the way in which we exist in it and what and to understand our relationship with others. Now, that's not saying that art is the ultimate way to, you know, make change or to better the way in which the Bible community in general is seen. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that Hami said, and I, I particularly loved how you said that you can't disqualify the value of art, even though it may not be the entire means through which you achieve the goal of a movement or of a community. But um, I do th think that there is a lot of power in art. And in my case, in music, there's this quote that I really love that I've used. Um, I used it in my thesis at St. Lawrence, but um, it says, since noise is the source of power, power has always looked at music with fascination. Um, and I think Power is a very, very complex word. And in the context context that I'm using it, I don't mean power as in domination, but in that there's a lot of power in unifying and in, in understanding. And I think that music and art serves as a locus for understanding people. So like Hami said, I don't think that music is the sole tool through which we achieve racial equity or justice, but I think it's a medium through which we can use to understand each other and to unify each other as a community. Also, like on a personal level, um, music and art can be a tool to understand yourself. And in a world where oftentimes as a Black woman or as a BIPOC individual, you don't feel understood, 
you deserve to have a space where you do feel understood and loved. And if you can provide that for yourself with your art, or you can look at art and see yourself and know yourself, um, I think that that is also a form of justice. So on an individual level, music and art in general serves to be that space where you can achieve that that liberation um, for yourself. Art and um, culture are among the most powerful ways to share anti-racist, decolonizing, and just like pro-Blackness representation narratives and stories. And so, um, and I think they're really useful tools for engaging groups around racial um, equity topics and just for support of transformative learning. And I think like historically, like art has been a critical foundation of the history of protest and even in the struggle to achieve equity in the United States and like all over the world in general. And whether it be music, poems and paintings or just other forms of creative expression, art has been at the core of efforts to express emotion, communicate difficult concepts, initiate action, and even just kind of, you know, change what seems important possible, which is Hami said it earlier, but I think like art is revolutionary because it, it can grapple with all of that. And so, but it's not, again, going to be what dismantles everything, but I think it's a very important tool. Even sometimes the way we understand, like think about movies, like, and just music and how we understand people through that. They play such a crucial role in forming our understanding of people in general. So it is a very important tool in being able to understand things and people, but it's also, um, again, needs to be met up with a lot of other actions. But for what it can do, I think it's a very important platform. I think what is beautiful about art is how vast uh, its definition can be, right? And what I mean by that is, no matter how many times people try to define art, each community and each individual defines it for itself. For example, take any book, and some will be like, this is a piece of art, and others will be like, it's not, right? But when you read something like, especially as a Black person, when you read something like Aimé Césaire's book, Retour au Pays Natal, right? Or you pick up one of James Baldwin's classic book, or you listen to Marcus Garvey, or any, you know, person who has tried to contribute to the image of what it means to be part of the Black diaspora, for example, those can be considered pieces of art. In that sense, it can either be something for leisure or something something to influence culture for generations to come, to influence our society and the way in which they're structured, to influence our politics, to influence the way in which we relate to one another. Um, and it's something everlasting, right? Because there are pieces and works that we revere from hundreds or thousands of years ago. And those things haven't, although the people who produced them have passed, uh, their work and the contributions they made to society have not passed. You are listening to Conflicting Emotions, a podcast from Weave News. Be sure to visit www.weavenews.org or visit our Instagram page at Weave News Now to learn more about this series and how you can help support all of our grassroots media work. So what memorable responses have you guys had to your work? I knew I wanted to continue producing art and producing change, 
because of the first time I ever wrote a poem, the kind of reaction that I received. I remember writing a piece on police brutality and performing that piece up as part of an ensemble, as part of like a like a student-produced play at the MCC Theater. And besides the artists, everyone else in the room happened to be uh, not black um, on stage. And once we finished, I had people who were probably knocking on 70 coming to me and talking about how they've never felt the way in which we made them feel on that stage. And these were theater goers, people who have been going to theater their entire lives. And they talked about how much effect that one piece had on the way in which they view the world. And through that, I was like, okay, this communicating to people who may not understand where you're coming from, but their decisions affect the way in which you exist and you and you know the way in which you experience the world. You can have an influence on them through this. And that was important to me. Furthermore, once artists of any form have a platform to share themselves, if you're received positively, I think that has that's such a rewarding thing that for most of us it's the only thing that we're looking for. I think of like sharing your art and writing or producing your art as two separate things Um, in the sense that I think that making my art is a very individual process. And there's a quote I read today by June Jordan. It's, it said, poetry is you taking control of the language of your life. And pointing back to what I said earlier about you deserving to feel understood. I think that having that space to create and to reflect on what seems like an individual experience or maybe an individual trauma, and then being able to expel that understanding into the world and then realizing that you're not alone in the way that you felt or you're not alone in this experience, I think has been really profound for me. I wrote a song about relationship with my mom, which is, I love my mom, but we just have a really contentious relationship, which has just always been the case. And I realized that a lot of Black women and maybe people in general have really contentious relationships with their parents because of traumas that they've had to bear and that they gave to you, not intentionally, but it just happened. So to be able to, who won't experience that? And to write it down on a page was really, really important to me. But that's like the the producing process. But then the sharing process of being like, I'm not alone in this struggle. And that resonated with somebody. And now they have language to take control of the language of their life. I think that's a super powerful thing. So to be able to translate these seemingly individual experiences into something that strikes a chord for somebody else um, I think is amazing. And I think that people have the right to to sh- keep their art for themselves, but there's so much power in sharing it and realizing that you're not alone. And um, that reminds me of a quote, I don't know where I heard it from, but it goes something like, nothing human is foreign to me. So whatever you produce, there's probably somewhere out there that has been through similar experiences. Or whatever your stance is, there's probably somewhere out there that relates to that. And that's the beauty of it for me. As you guys were talking, I was just like, yeah, like, you know, I I really do relate to that. And I think that St. Lawrence was um, the first place where I think I felt seen through my art. I am somebody who has always kind of struggled with stage fright. So 
even though I, I really love art and I can see what it does, I think I was always just scared of sharing it with people. And I remember something that Hannah Bouchard said to me, actually, and she said that it would be a disservice to hold back your art. And I think that it's not even necessarily because like, like your art doesn't have to be considered great or not. I think if you have something to say, if you have just something to write, if you have something to paint, it matters. What about the flip side of the question? Has your art ever offended anybody? I think in this in the same way that like vulnerability can be a really powerful thing and that it can help people, I think vulnerability also comes with honesty, which can also come with it being harsh truths that you need to hear and other people need to hear as well. So like in me being honest, um, I've often said things about people that I write about, never explicitly, but where people know what I'm talking about and they don't appreciate that I've said it in a song which is valid for them to feel whatever they feel. But at the end of the day, like I, I am taking control of, of the language of my life and there are certain things that I need to express. So yes, people have been offended, but I've never done it of ill intention. It's me needing to work through something and feeling like music is the best way to, to make sense of it. And if you address any controversial issue through your art, you're most likely going to offend somebody, whether intentional or un unintentional. And for those that address controversial issues, if you're pushing some buttons, then you're doing the right thing. Because if people are not feeling, people are not thinking, people are not engaging, then are you really doing your job? Because your job as an artiste is not to cater to whatever people want you to do, it's to speak your truth regardless of what means you use to do it. And to do that, some might be receptive and others not. But the best that you can do is, number one, I think for me, is to be receptive to others' criticism. Take it however you want it, learn from it, grow from it, and be true to yourself and to your art. Even just the fact that, like, how can my art not be offensive? My existence is controversial in itself. So it's fair that like the work that I produce will not be um, everyone's cup of tea, nor does it exactly have to be. I think the idea of it is like as art, as an artist, being able to receive what somebody else has to say, even if I don't agree with it. So what does your future look like as an artist? For me personally, I think there is going to be more space for producing more private art because whether you publish it or not is still art you're still an artist yet i'm going to take off other forms of engaging the public that i find you know also effective and suitable probably be more private with myself i guess as of as of today that can change if i go to sleep and wake up tomorrow my hope in the future of my artistry is um i would love to um touch more of my community, not solely with my art, but um, like in, inspiring and helping people to have access to the same resources and platforms that I have had, because I'm super blessed to come from a community that supports me in my art. But I'm also, I have to acknowledge the immense privilege that I've had over the course of the years that have allowed me to express myself in the way that, ways that I have. And I have an individual story um, and everybody has their own story to share. And it would, I'd be remiss to say that my, my experience as a Black Bermudian is the same or even similar to a lot of Bermudians. So 
My hope is not that I'm trying to say something profound in my art. I will always be creating, but I want more people to feel as though they can do the same thing within the context of their own lives. I know that um, it's created a community for me. It's made me kind of just be a better person and it's made me kind of more confident as well. And I think that I valued the people and the opportunity. You know, when you write something or maybe you're even writing an essay for school and you write it and you're like, I know this isn't my best work or I know this isn't actually what I wanted to say. I feel like I'm still in this process of self-discovery, which is going to be lifelong and I'll embrace that. But I'm still on this journey of getting to know myself and I feel like I don't have complete autonomy over my identity right now. And I would love for my music, or I'd love to tap in more to the power of my art and my music so I can get to know myself. Because ultimately... I crave human connection, but sometimes it feels a little bit far-fetched. And so in that process of becoming more honest with myself, I think I can forge more powerful connections with other people. So I'm really grateful for artists like Hami and Rahel because you both inspire me every day in conversation and in your art forms. But you just, you in instill me with the confidence to be myself through sharing yourselves with me. And that's something that I'm eternally grateful for. And I use it as a beacon to attempt to do that for myself. Where could people go to find your work online? You can follow my Instagram at Hannah Bouchara Music. Um, Hopefully soon you'll be hearing some of my music on uh, some selected streaming platforms. Uh, Instagram right now. You can follow my Instagram page at Let's Just Talk with Hami. And I'm thinking I should start putting more art up there or subscribe to my YouTube channel by looking up Let's Just Talk with Hami. You can um, follow two pages. One is um, Rare Rahel and the other one is Find Her Films. That is an upcoming project. So um, exciting. As we reach the end of the episode... What would you want the audience to take away from this conversation? I'm going to steal or at least break off a piece of something Rahel has already said, which was that your existence is an art form. Um, And I think tapping into the, the mediums through which or the people that make you feel as though you're producing your best form of art, whether that be you just existing or you creating an actual body of work, I think that's really important. So wherever or with whatever you're doing where you feel like you are being your most true self or you feel like you are being most understood, I think tap into that and hold on to it because I think that living, not even, I don't know if I love the word authentically, but if you feel like you are being you in a way that feels good, um, I think that that's what life is all about. I think that that this has kind of reminded you that like art is a way to gather, connect and love. Um, And I think that, I I hope that whoever is listening to this kind of recognizes that there is a community of like artists or just people that have like, that you've yet to meet that are rooting for you. And I hope that you push yourself enough to take yourself in that stage. And that stage is a metaphor, a metaphor for wherever it is, like you feel you can share your work but I, I hope you know that like that community exists and that 
I hope that your work is a product of the love that you have for yourself and you have no responsibility to make a political statement or to to do anything to spark anything. I hope that like the art that you create is as a result of like just you feeling enough. That question reminded me of my ninth grade teacher. Uh, her name was Miss Mohammed, and she would love to always say, um, we're all scientists, and that would be her thing. She would be like, Mr. Silla, we're all scientists. And so to steal something from her book, if you're listening to this, just remember that we're all artists. Um, you are an artist by virtue of being human, and because that is our legacy as, you know, part of this human family. And so... We are art artists. If you feel like producing, produce. If you feel like engaging, engage. And whenever you don't, you're still an artist. Thank you. I want to thank all of you for sharing and being a part of the conversation today. I look forward to all the art you have to share and create. And it has been lovely to have you all as guests. And I'm sure you've inspired anyone who's listening to this conversation right now. Thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us. For information and resources related to today's episode, make sure to visit the Conflicting Emotions podcast page at www.weavenews.org. While you're there, check out all the latest content from our citizen journalists, including the powerful first-person stories in the Conflicting Emotions article series. You can also find us on Instagram at weavenewsnow and on Twitter at weavenews for regular updates on our work. For Weave News, I'm Ivana Mohandesi. Join us next time for more conflicting emotions. Weave News, grassroots journalism for social justice.